I'm Laura Schofield, founder of large size shoe brand Otto and Ivy. And this is my podcast, Tool Stories, where I have open and honest chats with brilliant tall women about their experiences of being above average. I'm talking today to someone who reached the pinnacle of all tall girl achievements by becoming the England netball captain. My guest for this episode is Amma Abueze, and I got to find out what life would be like if I'd actually fulfilled my long-limbed potential. Interestingly, though, we talk about how such an achievement has come with extraordinary sacrifice and how being talented in lots of areas isn't always the dream you might think it is. We also discuss how best to nurture a sporting talent in children, how pushy is too pushy, and Amma has some great advice for spinning lots of plates and dealing with knockbacks. And speaking of plates, she's a very busy lady. So this was recorded in an airport lounge. And at one point, you'll hear some kitchen staff loudly stacking the dishwasher. Sorry about that. So, Emma, you were captain when England won the netball gold medal in the 2018 Commonwealth Games. In 2019, you received an MBE for your services to netball. You've played for several different club teams in England, Australia and New Zealand. And I am about to open this podcast in a way that is completely reductive of all your achievements and ask you, how tall are you? (laughs) That's probably key. That's key to everything that I've done. Exactly. Um, I'm... It's weird because I feel like I'm always here. I'm not that tall. I'm six foot. Yeah. yeah. So one eight four. Teeny. And in netball, I feel like that's like not that tall. So average, yeah. average height. It's funny. I've spoken to other netballers actually that have said that, and they're just like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm only, I'm only six foot. I'm only six foot one." But <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I guess, I guess you feel much more normal or even short when you're in that kind of environment a hundred percent I'm a defender and shooters the, like toilet shooters or the good international shooters were like six foot five six foot six and so I feel small and it's really strange because I feel in my netball life I feel short but then I go out into the real world and people are always like well, you're tall you're tall what an observation thanks I hadn't realized lucky you were here um so yeah so I feel short in netball I was going to say, what what do you get the most? Is it, oh gosh, you've you've done so much for sport in our country, or is it how tall are you? <laughs> no, not even neither. I think people just telling me that I'm tall. Yeah, which I think I would probably it would be better if they said how tall are you, as opposed to trying to inform me of something that <laughs> I, I know already. No, I completely agree. So, were you very good at sports all round at school? Is it something that you've always been keen on? Yeah, so I think at school I did, I loved sport, I felt free. And so I did, yeah, hockey, athletic. So any sport that was going, I tried it and did it and loved it. And do you remember that first time when you realised that netball was your thing? Um, I don't think I've realised it yet. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think athletics was probably my like my sport and that's love and so I I never really wanted to be a netballer and never thought I'd be a netballer I think I spent years watching the Olympics on TV and athletics was what I watched and what I did and so I always thought I'll go to Olympics and I'll do athletics Um, and I did bits and pieces of other sports and netball was just another sport that I just did and enjoyed Um, and then it just started taking me along a path and I ended up being a netballer um, although I'd always be like, oh, why did I choose netball? I should have been doing athletics. And I'd see people that I trained 
like at the same club with or doing like different things and being really good and competing in athletics and I'd be like why am I here um <laughs> but obviously very grateful of what I've with, for what I've done in netball but netball wasn't something that I thought I want to be a netballer that's so funny because I mean I get distracted a lot by things you know I absolutely love what I do I love my business but I often think oh I should have done this I should maybe try this and so to hear from someone who's literally top of her game um in netball and thinking I really should have done athletics (laughs) (laughs) that's quite that's quite reassuring to be honest so a lot of tall women get into netball. They usually start in PE lessons. Sometimes that will progress to the school team, um, which is as far as I got, alas. It was the A team, but that's that's as far as it went. Didn't get to the county team. Um, so I know you were thinking you were going to go down the athletics line. So at what point did this start to become something that you pursued seriously? So I played at school and then I joined a club outside of school, but I still was pursuing athletics then. Um, I got a netball scholarship in Bath because they had a netball programme down there. And so I guess that's when I started to sort of take netball a bit more seriously. Um, so I'd played for my county whilst I was doing my A-levels or before my A-levels, actually, um, under yeah. 16. And then I moved to Bath for my A-levels um, to do the netball programme. Um, but then I still regularly travelled back home to compete in athletics every weekend. So I was still probably just doing both and thought, oh, I'm doing this netball thing and it's quite serious, but actually... I was still keeping my foot in the door in athletics. Um, and then yeah. actually, I think I I think I think qualified for national schools for athletics. And the England and 17s had a netball tour to New Zealand. And I was selected for that as well. And they sort of were around the same time. And so I had to choose. And it was an option of go to New Zealand or compete in the UK. Um, <laughs> and so I went to New Zealand. <laughs> what shall I do? <laughs> Exactly. So I went to New Zealand and so that kind of steered me towards netball. Were you supported in your aims by your family? Because competitive sport parents can often get a very bad reputation, particularly the mothers. It's people like, you know, Andy Murray's mum that gets sort of seen as this, you know, terrifying figure lurking in the background. What was your experience growing up and what would you say to parents of children who are maybe showing some sort of athletic promise how to nurture that I that wasn't my experience so my parents were not about sport they were about education and so they were discouraging me from like trying to pursue any sort of professional sports career um so sport was kind of like a hobby but education was the way forward and so I actually I think looking back other people's parents would be like driving them up and down the country and they'd go to all their matches and be on the side and taking stats and that type of thing and I didn't have that and I thought I was missing out but then I think in hindsight looking at how parents can be it was probably not as bad a thing as I thought at the time I think now I think it's quite it's a difficult I think position to be in as a parent of a young Mm. person who shows interest and is good but I think it's actually times have definitely changed but I think it's a bit it gets a bit too much I say to parents most like no matter what age you are you are kind of in control of your own destiny so if your eight-year-old is good at sport and really wants to pursue it then you can support them by asking them if they want to go telling them trainings at this time you need to be responsible so are we going to training what time should we leave and that type of thing and sort of help them to become a bit independent they obviously still rely on you to feed them to take them places but I think there's a lot of parents now who are sort of forcing and pushing their children into doing elite sport 
And actually, I think the beauty of sport is at the participation level in terms yeah. of all the skills that you learn and communication, getting into a team and understanding how people interact and their emotions and how to make yourself perform better. Um, and there's only a small number of people who can actually get to that elite stage. And you can ruin like your relationship with your child if you're just constantly like pushing them and pushing them and pushing them mm. and sometimes you push them so hard that they're actually like I just don't want I don't want to pursue the sport to listen to what the child wants yeah to know that it's it's yeah it's their desire and not your narcissism yeah <laughs> <laughs> what sort of sacrifices did you have to make and how do you look back on those sacrifices now I imagine you've had to make quite a few on the journey yeah definitely I think no journey is without its sacrifices I think even if you're playing at club level netball let alone elite netball um but yeah lots of different things I think missing birthdays parties I think one thing I one thing I definitely regret is missing I had a netball match a super league game or super league equivalent and it was my friends one of my really good friends weddings and I asked my coach if I could go and she said no and then I was still going to go and then I tried to see if I could work it to play the game and then leave to even to get some part of the wedding but it wasn't feasible and I see photos of the wedding um, in her kitchen she's got a picture of her and like all the girlfriends who went to the wedding oh. and I'm not there and so it's just like a constant reminder that I didn't like make the effort or didn't get there oh um, it's, it's not about not making the effort though isn't it like you you can beat yourself up but that that is that is the reality of it isn't it did you win the game no <laughs> that's the thing you'd have probably felt very differently about it if yeah. it had been a better outcome <laughs> exactly yeah so that's and I think uh, I potentially would have forgotten about it but that photo is there and so it's just like a constant yeah. oh yeah I wasn't there I missed my graduation actually I did a, um, an undergrad and I did a master's and I missed both graduations being on netball tour yeah they're things that you have to do like you have to make sacrifices and yeah you have to decide at the time I do think I think when you're in it at that moment, you think I can't choose the alternatives. I can't go to whatever it is because I'll lose my place or um, people will think less of me or the coach will think that I'm not respecting my opportunity. But yeah, I think looking back, probably, I think my friend's wedding, I probably should have just said, do you know what? Find me, do whatever, I'm, I'm going to go. But that's, I guess, an older, wiser person looking back yeah at time, which is different it, and it is tricky and I think anyone who's who's achieved your level of success has made those kind of sacrifices and it is it's you know it's hindsight that can be a great thing and an, and an awful thing because like you were saying you know you didn't win that game had you and had it you know progressed further you would have been able to go okay it was all worth it but it is you just don't know and it's there's an element of risk isn't there because that's the thing yeah. with sport it is it is a losing game really because only one team can win so it is tricky so you've got to take that risk it's a gamble isn't it you've got to make those sacrifices so yeah and um, now this is this is a question that I'm really keen to ask um as someone who's who's got my own business and seems to get in a flap constantly all the time but you have a degree in finance and management you also studied law and criminal justice and qualified as a lawyer you practiced as a lawyer while simultaneously staying at the top of your netball game. How? <laughs> I actually, sometimes now I'm like, I don't even know how. I'm like, how did I do that? If someone told me to go back to uni now, I'd be like, oh, I can't, I don't know how. Um, I think it is just about like juggling. I feel like I have to spin lots of plates and still occasionally do. And actually, I think 
there's a saying if you need something done give it to a busy person and I think yes. it is because you can easily like slot things in whereas if you've yeah. got an abundance of time you're like oh I've got ages to do that and then five minutes before it's due you're like oh my gosh I've, I've had like a whole month and I've not done it and so I think it was just the case of planning like this is my week on a Monday I've got this time I'll do this in this time I'll drive during that time and it was just non-stop but I got through and so yeah I don't know <laughs> I don't know how just spinning plates wow and you're still practicing law now then um I so every team that I went to I kind of tried to get a legal job on the side yeah um, and then I had probably a four-year break where I didn't practice but I've actually started practicing again part-time oh brilliant wow it's so true what you say about having those slots of time as well because I've actually got a lot more time now because I used to as well as doing Ottoman Ivy I used to have a job on the side and had two kids but one of them wasn't at school and I didn't really want to put them into childcare, which I should have done really so I was just like killing myself to get everything done but now that I've just got Ottoman Ivy because I left my job I've got the two kids at school I spend my day going oh I've got hours and, and then you don't you don't get through that list whereas if you know you've got half an hour to do something you don't have that sort of level of perfectionism because you can't you can't over tweak something can you so you just have to do it yeah you're literally like just get it done because if I don't get yeah. this done it's just gonna be a backlog and I love I love writing lists and crossing things off so I'll be like oh my gosh I've crossed off two things yes. today um and so yeah that was the satisfaction to just be like I've got that done and that's gone and yeah just, what's the next thing what's the next thing um yeah so I think just I'd always just be asking myself what what do I need to do right now and what what's next are you the kind of person that likes because I like to write stuff down that I've already done just to tick it <laughs> that's me 100% like it I did that last week but actually just write it down and then like yes that's done yeah well done me (laughs) um you are known for being a phenomenal captain what skills do you bring to the job and what do you believe makes a great leader particularly when you're dealing with athletes I think as a captain I like try to pay attention to people so individually what made them function the best what they Mm. needed how to support them um, I think lots of captains are very good sort of on the day um, but my thing was to try and do everything beforehand so that when you get to the day everybody and everything's taking care of itself and everyone sort of knows where they stand and so yeah I think that probably essentially is and it's probably good for every leader I think is listening and actually hearing mm. what it is that people want and need and paying, paying attention to that and then trying to support them to achieve what it is. Um, I think it's really difficult because at the elite level, you kind of have to be um, selfish. So there's a degree of selfishness because you want to be, you have to push and fight and strive to get to the top. And so then you then need to try and bring that all together to be part of a team. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a difficult thing. So I think as a captain, that was what I thought that I need to help support everybody individually so they can yeah. be the best but then try to nurture and cajole them into being part of one unit that they want to achieve I guess centrally according to what the group want to achieve which I guess is is is, is a difficult thing um and I, think I think that's very relatable is- though for, for people that have really um been striving for success all their lives and you do become quite insular I guess and you're constantly chasing that goal to then go no we have to make this dynamic work for everyone it's not just about me I think that's quite relatable for a lot of sports people and also people who've been 
working really hard to then go oh no actually okay it's it's not just about me pursuing my goals it's how do I fit in with this dynamic yeah and I think that happens with people at work as well Mm. um like everyone at work has their own agenda and they maybe want promotion or they just want to improve themselves and so Mm. it's about sort of how you fit into that place and time and that team to achieve the outcome of whatever it is that your job is doing while still trying to pursue your own personal outcomes and actually sometimes they don't align and so I think that's when you sort of get issues and have to work a bit harder to work out what those issues are if that person can still be part of what you're trying to achieve collectively so yeah I think it's quite a complex thing or can be quite complex. The mental well-being of the players seems really important to you as well I've read a lot about how you you spend a lot of time thinking about them psychologically because I think that's something that is being talked about so much more. I've seen it talked about a lot, particularly with the England men's football team about the immense pressure that's on people and actually seeing sports people more as human beings and finding out, you know, what's going on with their home lives and things like that. Do you, do you put a big emphasis on that then? Yeah, massively. I think you can't, you can't perform unless you're comfortable in yourself or to Mm. able to control what it is within your life personally um and I think lots of coaches say oh yeah it's about the the whole person and I really care um but it's I think a lot of coaches just give it lip service but actually if you have like issues that you can't set aside um you're not actually going to be able to focus on what it is that you're doing and focus on the here and now is really important and I think through my England career they had at the start they had sports psychologists and then there was a phase where they didn't have anyone or anything um and it's yeah it's been up and down and so as the captain I was pushing to try and say oh we need like psych support because it is so so like influential and massive to people and Mm. I think different players some players don't necessarily warm to um like individual sports psychology um but others players do it's definitely it's a necessity I think yeah and not even just for sports people just for your mindset and your mental well-being is basically essentially what makes you you and how you yeah. perform and function in society and yeah. so what more could be what could be more important than trying to nurture that and help you to be your best yeah exactly and what is the point of all that success if it's not making you happy as well that's the thing that so many people kind of forget isn't it and and a lot of sports people who've maybe been in sport in the 90s and the noughties are now coming out and saying you know I was never enjoying it I was just obsessed with the next stage and so yeah to kind of put a bit more emphasis on mental health in sport I think is is so important yeah and let's talk about height though um because as goal defense and goalkeeper it's obviously a real superpower for you being tall even though you are a diminutive six footer um do you love your height away from the netball court no not really um (laughs) in incorrect answer no no it's very important that you said that so you don't um, no, I think just growing up, I was like bullied for being tall. Um, mm. And also I was quite like gangly and thin. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I don't think I've, well, for a long time, I haven't been comfortable in my skin. Um, mm. And then also struggling to find clothes that fit. So trousers that are long enough. Um, yeah. I remember being bullied because my trousers were too short um, when I was younger. Um, and then also just like when you get hit, um, even, so you'd get hit and you 
everyone will be, look really good in their kit and you'd be like oh but my trousers make me look stupid because they're like halfway up my leg and that type of thing um but yeah I think because of I guess that like childhood bullying and that type of thing I think it, it always just then made me self-conscious about mm. my height and my body and so yeah I think I've struggled through the years to sort of shape that but as I said in netball I feel short um and so I guess I feel more comfortable because there are lots of tall people but then obviously when you step outside of netball you're just walking down the street as yourself I just want to fit in and Lend be lost in. and just be average and that yeah no I think I think a, I think a lot of people can relate to that and and they'll have moments where you know I'm I'm very confident about my height and I've kind of built my career on being tall really I've got a shoe brand for tall women so but I still do have those niggles sometimes or it's more like you were saying at the beginning it's more just how draining it is when people just say god you're tall aren't you and and go oh you make me feel so short and I'm like I I, I literally can't do anything about it like this is just the way I am and and some days that doesn't bother me or it doesn't happen and then other days it just feels a bit relentless yeah and I think that's the thing that it's just up and down so it's not like a I'm fine and I'm okay with it now um Mm. but I I had an Achilles injury and the the doctor said oh you need to have like um sort of heel raises in your shoes and so I had to like wear heel raises and then when I wasn't playing sport or wearing running shoes I wear normal shoes um yeah and so when I wore flat shoes my Achilles was sore and so I started wearing a little like heel obviously I'm already tall and a bit conscious of being tall but now I think because I had that injury and the shoes made me feel comfortable and not in pain yeah that was my go-to um and so in one sense I'm not comfortable but then in another sense I'm like this is how God made me this is how yeah. I am it's not my fault you realize when you wear heels as well that actually you don't get any more comments you still get the comments that you're tall yes. but it's it, the, if anything I find when I'm wearing heels it's almost like people look at my feet and go oh it's because she's wearing heels whereas sometimes like <laughs> so, uh, usually I get the oh and you're wearing flats how is this yes. possible <laughs> it's like oh you're not standing in a hole how is that yeah but anyway <laughs> a couple of days ago I went out to dinner with some friends and we were walking down the street and a woman she's like oh, could you just help me pull that shutter down she said I've already put the alarm on and I can't reach the shutter to pull it down so I literally like walked up I didn't climb up the steps and just like pulled down the shutter and my <laughs> friends were laughing um and I think I just talk girl life <laughs> literally I went yeah. to a BBC thing um a couple of weeks ago and I literally there were lots of people but I literally just put my hand up and <laughs> filmed and then Everyone's like, oh, can you send that to me? Who knew that there was use? (laughs) I know. I can film and I can shut shutters. Yeah. (laughs) In my friendship group, I'm like the human selfie stick. Like if we're all together (laughs) and someone needs to take a selfie, I'm like there with my four foot arms getting the selfie yeah no it, it's funny like I do I I never made it to county level or or national level netball but I do feel like my superpower is getting like flour for old ladies in supermarkets and that's, that's why God put me on the air someone asked me to help them get something from the high shelf in a supermarket so I got it and gave it to them and then someone else was like oh yeah sorry could you um help me but it wasn't like there they like walked me down a couple of aisles and then I got it and then and afterwards I gave it to her and she's like oh you don't work here and that's like no no, no. <laughs> I'm just suddenly I'm suddenly like five minutes later like, oh yeah the sun-dried tomatoes are over there yeah <laughs> 
unpaid working in Waitrose yeah (laughs) oh dear so what has been your greatest achievement thus far what do you think of all the things you've done and there have been many yeah I feel like that's I'm not a person who has like best or favorites um so that's difficult question for me um I think one of them is which everyone's like oh that's winning that's in the win for Commonwealth Games um but I think associated with that is probably the resilience to get there um so mm. I've had so many injuries or been dropped so many times or told you shouldn't be playing netball anymore you're not good enough um wow. and then just kept on coming back and coming back and so if I hadn't kept coming back I wouldn't have got to go to Commonwealth Games or be the captain and so that's probably I think a great achievement um and then otherwise nothing that I can think like I don't know I was just but your achievement thinking, is it's amazing to hear because your achievement essentially comes from your your greatest achievement comes from your greatest failures, isn't it? It's your ability to springboard back. And and I think so few people realise that that is, you know, I've I've listened to a lot of books from, by successful people and that kind of thing. And it's it's not their ability to be perfect. It's the absolute opposite. It's the, because every no one's going to come out of this world unscathed. It's about that just, right, I've had that knock. I'm going to keep on going. And then incrementally you become successful. But that it, that is a skill, though. That's Have you got any advice for people that receive a knockback at work or for people that just feel like things are against them? I think probably the advice I would give is... I think firstly you have to sort of acknowledge that whether that has happened so if you've got had a knockback take your time to understand and feel the emotion of whatever that knockback is making you feel and then I think once you've gone through that sort of I guess it's like a bit of a grieving process um for not achieving it's then sort of trying to build back up your the drive and your confidence because I think obviously um most of those things knock your confidence and you think oh well actually I don't know what why was I going for that promotion anyway I'm clearly not good enough mm. when actually you might be um and so I think the next phase is trying to build your confidence back up and sometimes you don't have it in you yourself because you are still sort of trying to grieve from what's happened and so try to surround yourself with people who can help lift you up or write yourself notes affirming how good you are um so even if you just say okay every day I'm going to write down five good things about myself and why I should have been given that job. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm absolutely useless. Um, so then try to rely on other people to help support my confidence. Um, so I could just message someone and say, oh, why do you think I, like, why am I good at this? Or just, yeah, little things. So trying to work other people into understanding why you are good at, good at things. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things for me that I sometimes struggle to understand or like realize how good I am actually I think sometimes it's not it's not always good so they might actually say oh you probably need to book up your ideas but actually I think finding people who can be honest with you is another challenging thing because I think we it's easy to say to someone oh yeah you're really good you're amazing but actually finding someone to say oh, you are amazing, but you probably need to work on X, Y, and Z. Those people are like gold dust. And I think yeah. if you do find them, it can be hard, I think, sometimes, like hearing. But it's just ways to help you understand who you are and what you are and how you come across. And I think people's perceptions, we say, oh, we don't care about what people think. But actually, in the world, a lot of things come down to people's perception. So of course, if you're yeah. applying for a job, is someone's perception of you as to whether you're going to get it. So understanding how people see you 
is really important. So trying to find, go outside of yourself to find ways to get support and to understand how the world sees you. Yeah, yeah, completely. No, I think that's, I think that's brilliant advice. And yeah, getting comfortable with that idea of, of feedback as well. And, and the more you do it and you see the results of having listened as well, the more you think, okay, no, I can get comfortable with that. And then you see the improvement. In, like in sport feedback is instant like you're literally told yes. whether you're doing something right or wrong that's the thing with sport it's it's tangible isn't it so you know if you've yeah. done something good or bad yeah um whereas I think in the outside world it's feedback isn't really a thing and actually I think yeah. if we were more open with giving feedback the world would be a much better place and people would be more comfortable with striving to make themselves better because if you give them feedback you're not it's not a personal attack against them you're just trying to help them improve yeah yeah, it's, and it's. I think it's it's the person receiving the feedback needs to uh, learn to accept it, or or you know at least learn to deal with what is true and what isn't. And the person delivering it needs to know how to deliver it in a kind and constructive way, because you know you can. It's all very well saying, oh, because I I know also know people that say, oh. I just I say what I feel I say what I feel what you see is what you get and it's like well actually no sometimes you do need to cushion the blow a little bit you need to exactly. soften it a bit and and yeah and work out how to exactly. deliver things yeah definitely yeah. so what is next I've seen you've been forging an exciting career in broadcasting as well um I read a quote recently and I can't actually remember the quote word for word but it was something like my my the downfall in my day is that there's only one of me and I can't like go off and do 10 things at once and I think that's really it so I feel like there's so many things that I would love to do but I can only choose a few so yeah I don't know but potentially some broadcast but I don't know if I want to do that as a Mm. full-time um job um I do loads of like things for like individual charities and potentially would love to start my own charity um but I also love the variety of the charities that I work with already so yeah I don't really I haven't nailed down one thing that I want to do. There's loads yeah. of things that I've got to try and narrow, narrow them down to just a few. Oh, it's fu- it's funny, isn't it? Because I remember there were lots of things I used to love doing at school. You know, I really loved writing. I was into drama. I was into lots of different things. And I'm not saying I'm brilliant at everything at all because I'm not. But like, I would envy people who were rubbish at everything but just had this one thing. Because then they knew and that's it. And then they could just go for it. Like you see someone like Adele and she always says, I was crap at everything. If I wasn't, if I didn't sing, that would be it. There would be nothing for me. And I'm like, that's, that's the dream. Exactly. Exactly. And the thing is, I think everyone's like, when you've got a variety of things that you can do, everyone's like, oh my God, you're so lucky. You've got so many different opportunities and options. Like it's great to have options. And I'm like, options are crippling me. (laughs) I just need one thing. Um, So just to finish up, um, going back to talking about being tall, I know you say you you do struggle with your height off the court and it's such an asset to you. You even feel little when you're in netball, but it, it has been a struggle for you. But has your relationship changed slightly over the years? And is there advice that you would give to maybe a tall teenage girl who's really struggling with her height? What would you say to her? I think the biggest thing is stand up straight because no amount of bending down can make you the same height as your friends who are shorter than you. Yeah. Um, I would also say it's actually good to stand out. And I think mm-hmm. when you're young, you don't realise that actually 
if you if everyone's the same then there's nothing to distinguish you and actually being tall is something to behold and so as hard as it may be and as much as you might be bullied or feel uncomfortable um stand tall because you're already standing out and amongst there's like millions of people in the millions or billions of people in the world Mm. and actually to be able to differentiate yourself from other people is going to be a blessing when you grow older start trying to embrace it now um and then I think if you can try and find support from places so seek out tall people and ask them how it is for them and how they feel and what type of things they've gone through in terms of they've been bullied or that type of thing um because I think supporting people is a really good way of helping them to get through and helping young people to realize that when they're older they're going to love the fact that they're tall because they're different and if you're just the same no one's going to notice you yeah and remember you as well that's the thing you know I bet people instantly remember you because they certainly do me because I'm tall and they go oh yeah even though even though people refer to me as tall Laura it's at least (laughs) at least it sticks in their head and they remember so exactly yeah oh Emma thank you so much it's been so lovely to chat to you you're welcome thanks yeah what a legend well if you've enjoyed this episode then I would love you to rate or review and subscribe to Tall Stories wherever you get your podcasts you can find Emma Abuese on Instagram and you can also find my business Otto and Ivy Shoes I'll be back with more Tall Stories soon bye